You are tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network on jmandtheam.org and nachumsiegel.com. Stay tuned for JM Sunday with Matis Weingast.
everyone. Welcome to another edition of JM Sunday. Matas Weingast here with you. It is 7.05 in the morning, Eastern Time, Sunday, July 14th, 2013, seventh day in the month of Av, 5773. We are in our nine days format here on the stream and on JM Sunday. Coming up but tomorrow night is the beginning of Tisha B'Av, the uh, saddest day in the Jewish calendar in the year, commemorating the destruction of both the Bate Mikdash, the temples in Jerusalem, and uh, many other events throughout history. And that fast begins tomorrow night and extends to Tuesday evening, Tuesday night. Rabbi Yudin spoke on Friday morning on JM and the AM about the laws of Tisha B'Av, and uh, you could... Go there to the archives at jamandtheam.org and listen to what he had to say about Tisha B'Av. Rabbi Goldwasser will be up at 7.30 talking about uh, the nine days in Tisha B'Av. And today on the show, we're going to be doing a few things uh, for this time period, actually. I found a, uh, a number of, uh, of videos uh, that uh, for, from which I'm pulling the audio, of course, for the show. Uh, from Shlomo Kabach. Today is a Shlomo Kabach day. And we're going to hear Shlomo in, uh, in teaching and in his stories. And uh, it's unbelievable, by the way. I didn't realize this until I saw it before, that Shlomo Kabach passed away already uh, 19, nearly 19 years ago, in uh, 1994. So uh, it's, uh, it's time, time flies. <laughs> didn't realize it was that long, and he is sorely missed. But I found that he uh, delivered a, uh, a series of teachings uh, on the uh, on the topic of Tisha B'av, uh, based on Rav Nachum of Breslov, and uh, it's divided up into four segments, about ten minutes each. So we're going to get to all of them. Uh, it may not be straight uh, because we're going to do um, I think two of them in this half hour. And at 7:30 is Rabbi Goldwasser. Actually, we might go to Rabbi Goldwasser a drop early. And immediately following Rabbi Goldwasser, we expect to be joined by a member of Knesset, Dove Lipman, Rabbi Dove Lipman, who's been on the show before, uh, shortly after he uh, was elected to the Knesset. And he's going to be joining us hopefully this morning if his schedule allows. It's a very tight schedule. We hope to get him on for a few minutes. And, uh, and we'll be talking about unity in the uh, Jewish community ahead of Tisha B'Av. Our news from Israel is expected at 8 o'clock with Hannah Levi-Julian. And, uh, and in addition to the uh, teaching 
that we'll hear from Shlomo Kabach. We're also going to play a number of his stories. Uh, and uh, just to give you a, a heads up, he does some whistling and strumming of his guitar during the stories. But uh, we are going to play a number of his stories. We're going to try to fit in his classic Schwarzer Wolf some point before 9 o'clock. Great, uh, great programming on the stream all day long today and uh, always. So make sure to keep it here, jmtheam.org, nachamsegel.com. Nachum will be in tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., bright and early over at JM and the AM on radio and on the Internet. So I hope you enjoyed Shabbos and uh, had a good week. It is the uh, 24th uh, daf in Pesachim, right now in Daf Yomi. And we're going to go to the first of uh, the programs that I mentioned, uh, first of the learning segments from Shlomo Kabach here on JM Sunday. And uh, it is on the topic of Tisha B'Av. So uh, I hope it is uh, inspiring. The, the quality should be good enough, I hope. Uh, and uh, you know we'll, we'll monitor that. But here is, this goes back a number of years, and I don't know the exact year, obviously, many years ago. Here's Rabbi Shlomo Kabach on the topic of Tisha B'Av, here on JM Sunday. Aholiyapta says that the Chachomim did not know the Mashiach will take so long to become. If they would have known, they would have not put so many past days on us. He says they're tearing out their hair in Gan Eden because the was one red was mamish. If a person didn't feel so good, you know, a little cough, a little sneeze, was already eaten. He said because they didn't know it would take so long. Because, he says, in their generation, people were strong enough to fight. For Mashiach, people are not strong enough to fight. Let's think about her. You know, the Rechomen mamish was so strong Make it so hard and play music. Yeah, and the Vesemikdash was music all the time. You come Monday afternoon to Dav Mincha and the Vesemikdash to the VM is singing, right? Even Shabbos. Okay, Shabbos we can't because Bas go Shabbos. But with Swamish, no music. So he says, they didn't know it'll take so long. They didn't know it'll take so long. Because if they would have known it'll take so long, they would know how she can't live without music. <coughs> she can't. Okay, I don't know where to start. Let's start in the middle. Okay, let's start from here. And I'm sure I don't know what I'm saying, but who cares, right? <coughs> from Nachman, I'm learning it from Nachman, from Shubha Sashon. It's a deep established concept. Nachman says there are two powers in the world. There's Koyach HaMashe. There is a power which draws you. Magnetism. Then is Koyach HaMachiach. Power which passes you. It's, it's so obvious, so simple. You know, we find two people operate the world. Some people, some people get other people to do what they want to because it's so magnetic. And all the seditions about, you know, such as magnetism. Magnetism, Kamnamish, gets you so close. 
Kirch Machiach is Mamish Fasi. So he says, everybody knows, Rabbi Nachman says, the Mishkan, the Beit Mikdash, comes from the word Mashiach, Mashcheni Achechelot. Mamish, there was nothing more magnetic in the world than the Beit Mikdash. Throughout this Shrine, the Beit Mikdash, the Bible said magnetic. There is no magnetism like the Shrine. I don't want to say anything bad, but imagine God forbid Paris or Rome would be destroyed. Who's going to be there? Maybe a few, a uh, few people take some pictures. Yerushalayim, for two thousand years, can't stop going there. Take the Holy Wall. What's 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 there with the Holy Wall? A little broken wall. There is no there is no place in the world which is so magnetic. So why was Yerushalayim destroyed? Because the other side. Okay. The power of Eden, the power of holiness, is Mashiach, destroying magnetism. The power of the other side, cutting your shot. Cutting. Cutting, cutting, cutting. Okay, let's give out. What is the greatest, who has the most magnetic power in, in nature? There is no stronger power than gravity of the earth, right? So on Tishabab he says we are sitting on the earth to reconnect ourselves to the power of magnetism. Let's give out. Now listen how deep this is. What's the magnetism of the earth? Because the earth is so humble. Who are the real magnetic people? The people who are arrogant and the people who say to you, listen brother, I know better than you. You don't feel drawn to them. You only feel drawn to the earth. Clouds, right? So humble. You know, you know the way that tzaddikim, the rabbis would tell people what to do. They don't force you. They tell you do this, do this. If you don't do this, I would say I think you should do this if you want to. I'm so able, you know, with so much humility. Imagine someone standing on the street corner laughing. Do you feel drawn to that person? No. Someone's laughing. Don't stop. Someone's standing on the street corner crying. Everybody stops. This crying is tremendous magnetic power. Tremendous magnetism. So he says, on Tishabab, we're sitting on the earth, on the floor, to reconnect ourselves. And he says, I go out, he says, the Earth's magnetism, gravity is the strongest power in the world. But there is no gravity like the gravity of Israel. Then they're crying. Crying is also. And someone's crying, 
unless you're made out of stone, unless you have no heart in it. Just Once you know something very deep, friends, magnetism you cannot see with your eyes. Imagine I'll show you two people that look the same. One has it and one doesn't have it. You can't see it with your eyes. It's so much deeper than that. You know, everybody has their own people who draw them. And it has, has no words. I don't know why. I feel drawn to this person. You feel drawn to this person. And here what you know the deepest turn in the world. What is it to be in exile? I do the Torah, I do everything in the Torah, but I force myself a little bit. It's a little bit by force. What, what was Avodah Hashem, what was it to serve God when the Holy Temple was there? The Bible said drawn to it. So drawn to it. You know, friends, what is the first sign if you are a little bit a yid? The more you have to force yourself, the less of a truth. You know, if every Friday night I have to force myself to keep Shabbos, and even after I force myself, what kind of a Shabbos is that? If, I don't know what, if everything I have to force myself, okay, I'm sure I'll go to Ganeden for it, but what kind of Yiddishkeit is that? The real Yiddishkeit is, I just am drawn to it, I can't wait. Can't wait. But you know something, most of us we are all traveling. <coughs> you know when you go, when you travel from New York to to Rome. How many people ask the students? So when are we getting there? When are we getting there? When are we getting there? Nobody's asking. Just forget it. Nobody's asking the students every two seconds. If you watch the people going to ask the much Every few minutes. We just left New York and they're already asking. <laughs> and look at the Yidin, the way they look at their watches on the plane, right? It's like, five more hours, come on. <laughs> Ten minutes later, it's oh, it's only four hours and fifty minutes, you know? Come on, right? Okay, here. Let's see. 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 Abnachman says, you know what the problem is? The problem is, there must be somebody you're hating. Because when you hate somebody, when you hate a Yid, and the Yid, the Yid and the Torah is one. So if, the, if, if you hate a Jew, the Torah says, hey brother, I hate you also. Don't you know some there's a Gewalt story, I'm sure you know, but it's a good to retell the story. The Heilige Rapinchus Kaulze, you know, before he met the Holy Bhagavad he was 
and be gone through its color, be it cavalous, so it was no problem. Then he comes back from the heading of Hashem, and suddenly people start running after him, asking for his blessing, for his advice. He has no more time to learn. So after about two, three years wasting so much time with all those people, comes the night of Slichas. Mom, she says, I don't have strength anymore. I'm not learning anymore. All this. The whole problem is because people like me. If you could do me a big favor, make people hate me, it would be a good you know. What a world. If anybody would hate me, then they wouldn't run after me, they wouldn't ask me for my blessing, they ask me for my advice. You know, it says, God does what the Siddiquim asks. You know, it says, Imagine if you know, God says, Lichus night, hundreds, many thousands of people. The moment he asks that people should hate him, it almost happened. At this moment, everybody began hating him. He finishes downing. Not one person says, Nobody blesses him. And you know how long it takes him usually to walk out from shul? He walks out. Nobody stops him. But you see what happened? He forgot to say to God, with the exception of my wife and my children, she loved me. <laughs> but he didn't say anything. He comes home. His children see him. He had two little children. Of Yudin, Rav Shmuel Abba, the mamish run away. And his wife turns her face away. But he's still holding out. He thinks this is Kibbalt. <laughs> you know, if my wife and children hate me, I can mamish sit in the day and night, you know. <laughs> okay, let's put it this way. Rosh Hashanah night, how does it feel? Not one person says, good yontif. Not one person wishes you good yontif. Sure, come sit down. You want to? Fine, fine. Oh, okay, let's do it fast. Remind me, I have to come back to the yeah? Remind me, I have to finish the story. Okay, Roshona night, not one person wishes him a good year. Hurts a little bit. But he's holding out. Yom Kippur, not one person. Slowly gets accustomed to it. Nobody talks to him. He doesn't talk to anybody. He's learning. He comes Sukkot night. Everybody knows the Heliger Pinchas. When he said that Zaman is to him, inviting Avraham Avinu, Avraham Avinu was right there. He says, Zaman is to him, inviting Avraham Avinu. Nobody comes. Says the Imach Yitzchak, the Imach Yaakov. Nobody's there. He walks out from the sukkah and he sees Avraham Avinu standing there with his face turned away from him. Mm-hmm. And he says, Heilige Zed Avraham, Holy Grandfather, please come into my sukkah. Avraham says, I tell you the truth. If everybody hates you, I hate you also. Come on. The story is so deep. Abraham says, if there's one person you hate, the Torah says, I hate you also. I hate you also. And I want you to know something. <coughs> okay, a little technical difficulty there. We're going to go to, um, we're going to go to a, uh, a story by Shlomo Kabach, a short, uh, a short story that he, uh, 
that he uh, had uh, that is on one of the albums. And uh, then after that, we're going to go to uh, Morning Chizuk and then hopefully be joined by um, by member of Knesset, Dov Lipman. So uh, here is uh, Sfas Emes and the Soldier. And no, we're not going to go to that. Uh, we are having a one of those slight technical difficulties that you sometimes get when you're uh, working on uh, something live. And um, what we're going to do is just close out this program. <laughs> I'm talking to you while we do this. I'll let you know that um, I will let you know that JM Sunday is brought to you by Adorama. It is uh, much more than a camera store. It is uh, a sponsor of the uh, Nachum Siegel Network. It is located at 42 West 18th Street in um, in New York City. 1-800-223-2500 is the number. 1-800-223-2500 is the number. For cameras, audio, visual equipment, electronics, portable entertainment, iPods, iPads, and uh, much more. The... Um, Imaging and Beyond is the slogan. Since 1975, Imaging and Beyond, and the official sponsor of the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, it is uh, it is Adorama, 1-800-223-2500. Today is the uh, 24th, uh, excuse me, today is the 14th day in the month of July. In, uh, in the English calendar, the 7th day in the month of Av, 5773. And uh, for those following Dafyomi, it is the 24th, uh, 24th Daf in Pesachim. We're in our nine days format uh, prior to um, prior to Tisha B'av, which begins tomorrow night. And uh, Tisha B'av commemorates, of course, the destruction of uh, both temples in Jerusalem and... Uh, also, many other things that happened in our calendar over the course of the centuries. It begins tomorrow night. The fast begins tomorrow night. As I mentioned before, uh, Rabbi Yudin on um, on uh, Friday morning on JM the AM spoke about uh, spoke about the laws of Tisha B'av, and uh, he will. Uh, he can be heard again if you want to uh, listen to it. Um, go to jamesam.org and check the archives. I'm going to try something different. I think we're going to go to Rabbi Goldwasser for uh, for a uh, for an early shot and see if we can get to him uh, through here and then be joined by Rabbi Dova Lipman. So hopefully this will work. Uh, Rabbi Goldwasser's words are Rabbi Rabbi Goldwasser has heard uh, Morning Chizuk this time each and every Sunday through Thursday. Here's Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The Novi Yermio notes, the Kohanim did not say, Aye Hashem, where is Hashem? Our Chachomim ask, what did the Novi mean when he made this statement? After all, we know that Hashem is everywhere. Moreover, why was there specific criticism that was voiced against the Kahanim concerning this omission. 
the Talmud in Yuma relates that during the last 40 years before the Chorven Beis Hamikdash, the destruction of the Holy Temple, there were certain phenomena which up until that time had been in effect. However, it no longer took place. The large heavy doors of the Hechel, which up until then had miraculously swung open of their own accord in the morning and then it closed in the evening, they no longer did so. The Ner Maravi no longer remained lit throughout the entire night until the next day. The red thread no longer turned white. And lastly, the Garol Hashem, the lot for Hashem, did not come up in the right hand of the Kohen Gadol, but rather in the left. Up until that time, the lot for Hashem always came up in the right. The great Goin, Rav Yosef David, cites this particular posuk in notes that the Kohen Gadol should have contemplated what was the reason for this occurrence. The Kohen Gadol should have questioned, Aye Hashem, where is the lot of Hashem that used to be drawn in the right hand? We know that the left hand represents the attribute of din, strict justice. The right is the attribute of loving mercy, rachamim. Yet, Klal Yisrael didn't heed the sign. They didn't reflect upon the deterioration of the relationship with their Father in Heaven. This was obviously indicative of the general spiritual decline. This ultimately led to the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. Similarly, in our days, when we observe the various distressing situations and the events throughout the world, we should be asking, Aye Hashem, where is the glory of Hashem? Where is our destiny that should be coming up in the right hand on the side of loving kindness? Why is it that at times our lot is switched to the left hand, the one of Din? The Chavetz Chaim once informed a group of people that he was offering a large sum of money to anyone that could find a poor person that was so impoverished that he didn't even have a chair to sit on. Eagerly, an entire group went throughout the town, each one hoping that he would be the recipient of the reward. After a few days of intense searching, the people returned to the Chavetz Chaim. They reported that although they had met many very poor people, they could not find even one person who didn't have a chair. The Chovetz Chaim sadly noted, You should know that Hashem is poorer than all of the indigent people in the world, for Hashem doesn't even have a chair that's intact. The chair of Hashem is not whole. During this time of introspection, we should remember each and every day to ask with great love and respect, Aye Hashem. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning physic. Have a nice day. Thank you so much, Rabbi Goldwasser. His words are heard every Sunday through Thursday morning here on JM Sunday and on JM in the AM. Uh, as I mentioned before, we had a little bit of technical difficulty with the uh, segment from Shlomo Kalbach. We'll get back to that uh, a little bit later on today, a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but right now we are uh, honored to have joining us on the air a return guest here on JM Sunday. Uh, it is, of course, a member of Knesset, Rabbi Dove Lipman. Good morning, good afternoon to you, Rabbi Lipman. Good morning to you, Matas. Uh, this is a uh, difficult time, of course, uh, in between 
the uh, the beginning of the nine days and the three weeks and uh, Tisha B'Av, which is coming up for you in a little more than 24 hours for us, a little bit longer until we begin our fast. And uh, I wanted to touch upon uh, the topic of unity in the Jewish community ahead of uh, ahead of Tisha B'Av. Uh, you've done a tremendous amount of work, your party and your uh, and other groups within Israel in the last few months since you've been elected. Uh, have you, did you think that it would be as difficult a mission as it has turned out to be, it seems, in terms of unifying people uh, to move forward with certain plans? I definitely knew that would be a, a major challenge. Um, you know, it's very difficult whenever you're talking about uh, breaking down barriers between societies, especially in Israel, where the inclination has been over decades to really isolate and really stick to one's own, uh, I knew it would be a challenge, and I know that it will continue to be a challenge. But uh, I actually am surprised by the success. Uh, there's a lot of quiet things that we've been doing, and I learned very quickly that in order to make progress on these issues, the key is not to look for headlines and not to uh, get the word out there. Uh, tremendous success. Um, both Haridim who have come forward and want to work together and find ways to enable the Haredi community to be part of, part of broader Israel. In terms of Chilonim, who I never expected the interest that there is in terms of learning more about Judaism and Torah in general, and uh, even within my party, I experienced it. Uh, so that, from my perspective, has been very inspiring and uh, leaves me with tremendous optimism. That's a, a tremendous point, because if uh, people are learning more about what you're doing from within, it gives a different perspective than what they might have felt going into the whole process and some uh, ideas that they had ahead of time uh, that they may not have been uh, that may not have been correct. So uh, it, it probably remember, is very let's fascinating. Remember the, the, let's remember the press, unfortunately, uh, with the exception of James and of course, but the press uh, in general wants a story of Machlokas. They want to hear about the people that are fighting. They don't want to hear a story about people getting along. So the good stories don't get out there. And unfortunately, the stories that make a lot of noise are the stories of Pilug, of Machlokas, of people bashing other people. That's Chaval. It's unfortunate. But at the same time, I can reassure everyone who's listening that there's a tremendous amount going on beneath the surface and quietly, uh, which leaves uh, tremendous optimism uh, even going into, you know, in the nine days now and in the, going into Tisha B'Av, I, I, I've seen so much positive. Absolutely. Now, it's interesting that you said that because in the Jewish Week a few weeks ago, uh, they wrote about you and uh, the headline was the MK as Bridge Builder. So they're, they're at least taking the... Uh, the idea that you're building bridges and not uh, not destroying them, uh, to to the extent of what you s- I'm sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say 100. percent I mean, again, that the, the I'm happy that uh, someone took notice of it. Uh, something like the the, the first uh, base medrash on the history of the Knesset for Chaver Knesset uh, never happened before. That Chaver Knesset once a week from all backgrounds sat down together to learn Torah, uh, that's something which we started. Just another, an example of, of something which is a, a smaller magnitude, but as word gets out, it's a major statement of you know, the one thing which unifies us together, and that's Torah and the, the importance of 
saying, you know, I'll go beyond my comfort zone and learn together with people who aren't religious and men and women learn together and just going beyond because we're saying it's time to make that progress in terms of unity. Sure. To the extent that you're able to say it, as you said before, some things are done behind the scenes. But regarding, for instance, the issue of uh, uh, the charedim, so to speak, uh, when you use that term, of serving in the army or in the workforce, to what extent have you been able to speak directly to some of the leaders in the community um, you know that you could share with us, not in the whole public, you know, with, with the media all around. Have you been able to have those one-on-one conversations? There are one-on-one conversations. There are one-on-five conversations and one-on-ten conversations. Bezrat Hashem, Rosh Chodesh Elul. There are going to be seven Haredi Yeshiva high schools uh, opening their doors. A, the first ever Haredi Hezer type Yeshiva opening its doors. A Haredi Mechina preparing the boys for learning together with the army. Uh, and all these things are the result of the last five months of work. Uh, aside from that, there's Haredim who identified a major problem. That is, a lot of Haredim want to go to work and they have training for work, but they don't know how to find work because to go out and be part of a, a broader secular employment agency is something which is very difficult for them and, and scary, I would say, also. Uh, so we, very quietly, but we, the ones who unfortunately people think are anti-Haredi, we've gone out and we've worked together. We're working together with a company in Israel called All Jobs, which is uh, the, the number one employment agency in Israel, and we're working together with them to develop a, a branch that deals with specifically helping Haredim find work. Uh, there's a Haredi young man on his own who started a company uh, to help Haredim find work, and he needed funding for it, and I'll just use the opportunity now, anybody who wants to help with that, literally hand Haredim, uh, teaching them how to fish, uh, instead of just giving them fish, uh, please reach out to me and I'll tell you how you can help. But we're helping them develop an entire Haredi employment agency to help thousands of people find work. And these are the things that we're doing, and I do understand that we're here to help. And sometimes people have to look behind what they see in the headlines or major statements of negativity made by people. But once they go beyond that, they come into my office and they sit, they see that there's someone who wants to help, a listening ear, who is ready to take action on their behalf. Sure. So you would say that uh, a lot of what we see in, in the public, uh, and again, like you said, what the media wants to portray, except for groups like uh, like ours, uh, outlets like ours, you might uh, that those public protests might wane in the coming months when uh, they realize you know the true intentions, and that it's not destructive, but it's to build the unity within the uh, country. For sure, the average young Haredi right now in the streets, uh, and I'm going to say this somewhat cynically, but just to make a point, uh, their understanding of what this law is is that tomorrow, once the law is passed, we want to come into the Bukhim Midrashim, slip them out, put them into secular units, and make them not religious. That's right. what they think that the idea is. And I think that as time goes along and they realize, wait a minute, that's not the idea. First of all, tens of thousands are receiving a letter saying they're free to go to work instead of serving. And then over the next four years, plans are going to be built, programs are being built, yeshivas are being built uh, to enable combining together uh, serving in the army or doing national service and continuing your learning and staying religious once that becomes clear and all the noises goes away, I do believe uh, that will make a lot of progress. But I have to be honest with you, uh, the ball is very much in the Haredi court as well. If, if, if the leadership is going to continue suggesting that there's hatred involved and a decision to make people less religious, it's going to be much, much more difficult for us. So my hope is that in the spirit of working together and trying to create a stronger uh, Torah community, actually, uh, they will understand that it's to their advantage to work together and not to uh, speak against. Absolutely. Do you have uh, anything to do with uh, the situation that goes on at the Kotel uh, every Rosh Kodesh? And that has certainly become a worldwide media grabber. 
uh, you know, for similar reasons of, of disunity. The first thing I'll say is that leading up to every Rosh Chodesh, I daven, and I have not been successful, but I, I daven that the yeshiva community should just stay away and not make a fight about this and not make a headlines about this. And, and let's, let's go back to the basement and learn it. We should take all the young men who are there. I, 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 I turned to my wife and I said, I guess they are not in Toronto because they're out protesting against these women uh, and with the Nafsha Chashka Torah. Let's better learn and do our thing and then not make a big deal about this. There's a compromise that's being worked on, which, uh, you know, will take care of the whole situation. But in the meantime, all it's doing, and, and this, after 120, everybody involved up to give them the cheshbon for, and I feel bad for saying it so harshly, all that's happening on the ground is pushing people further and further away from Torah and further and further away from Judaism, including, by the way, some of the, some of the people who were involved in the beginning on the Women of the Wall side whose intentions I sat with them, you know, I'm not going to get into an analysis right now of everybody's intentions, but right. some of them were completely pure in their intentions, and they're being turned away. And what are we doing over here at Bullish Shalom? What are we making this about? And, and, and this is something, and then the videos get out, and, it's, and like you said, it's played all over the world, and, and, I, and I ask for people to just stay away. Just do your regular shoulder schedule, boys and girls, and these women will be there for an hour. It's not something which is hurting anybody else religiously, and, and it's more damage is done by coming and making a fiasco out of it. Right, absolutely. A member of Knesset, Rabbi Dov Lippman, is my guest this morning for another few minutes. I know your schedule is very busy, and I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, what would you say is the most heartening thing that you have seen or been involved with since you began uh, as a member of Knesset, that uh, that makes you feel really proud, really excited, and really happy that you went through the journey to become a member of Knesset. Um, we are we as a party. Um, we get together and have uh, they're called uh, our Viggy Bush. At night, we get together as a group to just keep unity within the party. Everybody feeling like they're part of a family. And one of those times, we actually uh, went to Minister Lapid's house, uh, Yair Lapid's house, and we got together as a group. And did all kinds of games to get to know each other better and, uh, you know, people bring things from their past, talk about it. Very, very nice. And then at the end, we were asked to get together in a circle. And I thought to myself, okay, what's happening now? <laughs> what's the next step here? Because obviously, all of us are, have left our comfort zone somewhat to be with people from all kinds of backgrounds. Of I got to a circle and a well-known singer was there and he came to the middle with his guitar. And we, together as a group, we sang a don't alone. Wow. And, and and for me, that just cemented the idea that you know, we're, we're, we're different backgrounds. All of us have different levels of religious observance. I, I, I know from the inside that no one comes with any kind of hatred uh, towards other Jews or, or Torah or religion. And, and that, for me, you know, away from the cameras, away from the press, this is not for headlines. No one posted a, posted a picture on Facebook. But, but for me, it just cemented this idea that if we break down barriers and work together, we'll find that which unifies us. That which unifies us is very beautiful and very meaningful and can be even very spiritual. We just have to be courageous enough to take that step. And that's just one example of many similar types of uh, examples that I've learned over this process, which unfortunately, like I said, are not going to be out there, but I know, and I go to sleep every night knowing that I'm part of something very special and something which I have no doubt that Rabona um, uh gives a stamp of approval to. Absolutely. And, and final question, are there any uh, topics or bills that you are bringing to the Knesset, to the forefront, uh, on your own uh, personal uh, 
meaning other things than the uh, than general part of these big topics. Is there anything that you're focusing on and trying to get done in the Knesset? You yourself. Sure. So, ba- so basically, when the session begins, you sit down, you say to yourself, "What laws can I write or be part of, which are not government-driven? Like, you know, that army-related things are government-driven, and education reform is government-driven, and the like. But what can I individually uh, work on in terms of legislation?" Uh, so we decided that we're going to work on laws that get, get down to core Jewish values, a return to core Jewish values that we can really bring achdos around within the Knesset. It's enough that we disagree about, let me try to be a unifier of sorts. So, for sure. example, uh, we're moving forward on legislation regarding Sar Chayim, about the mistreatment of animals, where it's something where, you know, on the more religious side, you're building off a psak of Ramosha and Ravada Yosef. On the more secular side, it's a, a basic value which they, they can relate to. And, and bring it all together, uh, and we were able to get signatures from the, all the parties together on it and move forward. And environmental issues as well, nothing on the extreme end and all of these things, but things that all of us can agree about. I'm also working on a bill, actually, with an Arab member of Knesset about protecting all religious sites in Israel to give a mandatory minimum of six years for uh, somebody who, uh, for somebody who uh, uh, desecrates any religious site, whether it's Jewish, Christian, or Muslim, or and a cemetery is included, or somebody who's worshiping. Uh, I'm working very hard now together with uh, Moshe Feiglin, uh, working together on a law that the next time around that we have the chief rabbinate uh, election, it should be one chief rabbi. There's no reason anymore hmm. for us to have two chief rabbis. Every rung is very fluent in both Sephardic and Ashkenazic customs. Right. And people are marrying one another from within. Let's send the message from above that we're one nation and it's one rav, and, and that's something that I think is going to have a significant uh, statement for the country as well. So these are the types of issues where it's achdos and core Jewish values. That's what I feel... I could bring to the table, and that's what we're certainly working on. And Bezat Hashem, we'll have success in doing that. Quite interesting, and thank you. I, I was going to ask you as a final question your message to the Jewish world before Tisha B'Av. You may have just given it that uh, we should show unity from uh, from the top and from the nation of Israel. Would you say that's a good message? Sure. That is a good message. I think that we should start looking at what unites us instead of what divides us. The, the, the type of hat or kippah or shaitel or mitpachat or non-kippah or non-mitpachat that I wear, it, it should not be an issue which divides us. And there's enough things that unite us. We agree about so many core values of, of chesed and looking out for other people. And by the way, that's exactly the message of the Haftorah, this past Shabbos, where Shayahu said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not interested in Shabbos and Yom Tov and all of our karbonos if we're not taking care of the Almanah, if we're not taking care of the Yostom. And these are the, this is what we're trying to say, is let's unite around the core values for which we as a nation can be an Orla Goyim. The whole world can see how special the Jewish people are and how special the state of Israel is, and we can light up the world. That's how we'll be the Orla Goyim. And of course, everyone should work on their own relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu as they understand it and their own private level of observance. And yes, there's a place to inspire people to be more observant if that's what a person wants to do, but let's try to start reaching out and focusing on those things which unite us. And, and I've seen it firsthand. Once we do that, we can build such a strong Am Yisrael, such a strong Medina Yisrael, and that is ultimately what's going to bring the Gula, because it's achdus. It's not uh, the hat, kippah, or head covering, or uh, the chumrah in this area or the other, which brings the Gula. It's unity amongst the Am Yisrael, and that's hopefully what people can walk away with and bring to the table this Tisha B'Av. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, amen to that. And uh, we want to thank you again for joining me on the air this morning. A member of Knesset, Rabbi Dov Lipman, it's always an honor and a pleasure. And uh, we wish you a, uh, if Mashiach doesn't come before tomorrow, uh, then uh, you have an easy fast with you and your family and continue the great work that you're doing.
Thank you so much. I'll, I'll add the word meaningful fast. I'm hopefully going to be at Eicha tomorrow night in Ir David, looking oh. at the destruction uh, <laughs> of, of David Amelech's kingdom and right by the Kotel and uh, really internalize what we're, what we're missing. And everyone should have a very meaningful fast and commit to working towards the Achdus of Amishra. Wow. And we all envy you. Can't, can't imagine getting closer than that to have the meaningful fast and a meaningful Tisha B'Av, as you said. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy as you can the rest of the day. Thank you. Have a good day. Rabbi Dov Lippin, member of Knesset, we thank him very much for joining us here on JM Sunday. Uh, he's been our guest before, and uh, and it was very nice for him to join us. We're going to try and get back to the uh, Shlomo Kalbach uh, Tisha B'av, um, a segment that, that we had on before. Uh, it, we had some technical difficulties, and we're trying to uh, resolve those difficulties uh, with uh, actually with my computer, uh, but. Uh, we're going to see if we can get to this. So here is uh, the second part of uh, Rabbi Shlomo Kabach uh, talking about Tisha B'Av here on JM Sunday. Once you know something, that's a Gavad story. I'm sure you know it, but it's a good to retell the story. The Heilige Rapinchus Kaulze, you know, before he met the Holy Bachem, he was a big girl, great scholar, great capitalist, so it was no problem. Then he comes back from the Heilige Hashem, and suddenly people start running after him, asking for his blessing, for his advice. He has no more time to learn. So after about two, three years wasting so much time with all those people, comes the night of Slichas. Mom, she says to Mom, I don't have strength anymore. I'm not learning anymore. All this. The whole problem is because people like me. Rosh, if you could do me a big favor, make people hate me, it would be a good vow, you know. What a world. If anybody would hate me, then they wouldn't run after me, they wouldn't ask me for my blessing, they ask me for my advice. You know, it says, God does what the Siddiquim asks. You know, it's just imagine what Pinus Kotz is, Lichus Night, hundreds, many thousands of people. The moment he asks that people should hate him, it almost happened. At this moment, everybody began hating him. He finishes davening. Not one person says the draft, the tradish. Nobody blesses him. And you know how long it takes him usually to walk out from shul? He walks out. Nobody stops him. But you see what happened? He forgot to say to God, with the exception of my wife and my children, should love me. <laughs> but he didn't say anything. Comes home. His children see him. He had two little children. Abud and Rav Shmuel Abba, they mamish run away. And his wife turns her face away. But he's still holding out. He thinks this is good You know, if my wife shouldn't hate me, I can mamish sit in the day and night, you know. Okay, let's put it this way. Rosh Hashanah night, how does it feel? Not one person says good yontif. Not one person wishes you good yontif. Sure, come sit down. You want to? Oh, I cannot sit fast. Remind me, I have to come back to Hamish Osobaav, yeah? Remind me, I have to finish the story. Okay, Rosh night, not one person which is in a good year. Hurts a little bit. But he's holding out. Him Kippur, not one person. Slowly gets accustomed to it. Nobody talks to him. He doesn't talk to anybody. He's learning. <coughs> he comes Sukkot night. 
everybody knows that Heli Rapinchas, when he said that Zamala Sutosim, Bati Gavroma Vino, Avomen was right there. He says, Azamana Tsudosem inviting Abraham Avinu. Nobody comes. Says, the Imach Yitzchak. The Imach Yaakov. Nobody's there. He walks out from the sukkah and he sees Abraham Avinu standing there with his face turned away from him. Mm-hmm. And he says, Heide Gazeid Abraham, Holy Grandfather, please come into my sukkah. Abraham says, I tell you the truth. Everybody hates you? I hate you also. Wow. The story is so deep. Rahman says, if there's one person you hate, the Torah says, I hate you also. I hate you also. And I want you to know something that is clear to me. The longer I live, the more clear it is to me that anybody who does not love every Jew can be the biggest Rashid in the world. His Torah is not worse than onion. It can't be, right? It can't be. It can't be, right? Because the Torah says you hate, I hate you also. Okay, can you imagine? You know the Holy Temple was destroyed, we hated each other. Why did we hate each other? Because, you know what, because we were not drawn to the Torah anymore. We're not drawn to the Torah, but we're not drawn to Yidin. You know how magnetic Yidin are? We Yidin are one with the Torah, one with the Israel, one with God. If you don't feel drawn to every Jew, you're also not drawn to the Torah. You're not drawn to Israel. So the Holy Temple was destroyed. Because the Holy Temple is the headquarters for magnetism. Holy magnetism. Exa means the magnetism is working. You know what them says, Chamisha Osavah, and Tishabah, after we fix our magnetism, you walk up, you go down the street, you see your soulmate, say, I want to marry you right now. Because the magnetism is so strong. God is that strong. You know, friends, I want you to know something. What is Mashiach all about? The Mashiach is coming, then your shrine will be restored to its real magnetism. And then as Kibbezi based Philly, you call it Fulam Venova Elok Goim Rabbim, the whole world is running to your shrine. It's running now also, but the magnetism is so strong. Here, what you know the deepest depths. You know what means peace between people? doesn't mean I don't kill you or you don't kill me. I don't hate you you don't hate me. Peace between people is the deepest magnetism. Wow, the my drawing. I don't know what you do and I don't care what you do. Just so drawn to you. You know, it's possible to love somebody and let this couple, right? I'm sure they love each other. They want to get married in three years. You know, loving and magnetism are not always 100% the same place, right? So here I want you to know something very, 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 very deep. This is awesome. You know, sometimes you love somebody very much, and your mom is drawn to them, unbelievable magnetism, right? 
You know, magnetism is so awesome. I'm ashamed. I'm so drawn to you. Possible. Possible. So what am I doing? Closing my eyes. And here I want you to know, Tishabab is the darkest day of the year. You know, sometimes I'm holding back. You know, sometimes you're drawn to somebody and you're ashamed to admit it, so you're holding back. <coughs> Tishabab is so dark. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. So, Mamash, suddenly my magnetism gets free. Once you know, Mamash, the night of Tishabab is the echo, Mamash, suddenly it's clear to me. What am I really drawn to? And I want you to know something. The tshuva of Yom Kippur is, it's still a little bit on the level of cross. Yom Kippur, I know I'm supposed to keep Shabbos, and I didn't, I do tshuva. I'm supposed to fast on Yom Kippur. I ate, I'm sorry. This is all on the level of cross, right? A little bit cross. Tishuva of my tshuva is, I just, I want to be drawn again to the Torah. I want, I want to be drawn to Yiddishka. I want to be drawn to Shabbos. I want to be drawn to every Yid in the world. I want, I want my magnetism to work so strong that one Yid can bring the whole world to Yiddishka. Wow, Your friends, if you would be the way we are, supposed to be, one Yid should have enough magnetism to bring the whole world to Yiddishka. I want you to know when I'm, when I'm drawn to some person, you'll tell me this person is terrible. Can't help it. I'm to that person. I'm so much drawn to this person, you tell me this person is no good. I'm also no good. See, I want you to know something so deep. The term of Nachman. Nachman says, why is it that in certain parts of the world, Everything is growing. In certain parts of the world, nothing is growing. I think I've mentioned a lot of times, turn the Kutumah. And so much deeper, he says, what is the earth saying to the, to the little seed to make it grow? Obviously, the earth is telling something to the, to the seed. So he says, I go out You know, how much pain the seed is going through till it begins to grow. This integrate that there is rain, there is sunshine. It's cold, it's hot. This poor seed is going through so much. And imagine in the last moment before the seed is completed, it's integrated. Someone asks the seed, so what do you think is going to be with you? That's it. The seed that was going to be with me, nothing. Look at me, I'm disintegrated, nothing left anymore. So someone say to that seed, do you think you'll ever be an apple tree? That's the joke. That is uh, the teachings of Shlomo Kalbach on uh, the topic of Tisha B'av, on the holiday of Tisha B'av, which comes up uh, in uh, in a little more than 24 hours, well, this time probably about 36 hours from now, beginning... Tomorrow night with uh, the uh, fast and uh, the uh, 20...
the 25 hours so fast, commemorating the destruction of uh, both temples in Jerusalem and uh, many other things that happened throughout the centuries on uh, on that day. We are in the midst of the nine days here around the world. Matas Weingast with you on JM Sunday. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. We'll get to our news from Israel in just a few seconds. I wanted to thank again a member of Knesset, the Rabbi Dove Lipman, who joined us the, earlier in the show about a half hour ago. If you missed that, you can check it on the archives later on today. JM Sunday is brought to you by Adorama. It is more than a camera store. It's the official electronics retailer of the Nachum Siegel Network, located at 42 West 18th Street in New York City, 1-800-223-2500 for cameras, audiovisual equipment, electronics, portable entertainment, iPods, iPads, and more. Adorama Imaging and Beyond since 1975, official sponsor of the Nachum Siegel Network, 1-800-223-2500. Many people are traveling up today to uh, to camps for visiting day here in uh, the northeast part of the United States. So we say good morning to all those people who are listening uh, in the car on their uh, iPhones, iPads, uh, whatever way they can. So we thank you and thank uh, the people that have let us know about that. Appreciate your listening. If you want to send me an email feel free to do so. It's uh, matis at nachamsegel.com, M-A-T-T-E-S at nachamsegel.com. If you get a chance, like us on Facebook. JM Sunday is the page. Go there, like the page, and you can get all the uh, updated information on on what's going on. Right now, we are going to be joined by Hannah Levy-Julian, senior correspondent and an editor for the Israel National News English Division and a news broadcaster in Israel, to give us the latest news from Israel. Good morning, Hannah. How are you? Good morning, and how are you? Great. Good week to everybody. Thank you. What's uh, what's so doing you want out good there? Good news or the bad news? <laughs> well, it's the nine days, so uh, you know. Uh, we are, unfortunately, we expect some bad news. Why don't we get the bad news out of the way first? <laughs> okay. Okay. So we will start with international news uh-huh. because that's quicker and easier. Um, farther away and then we'll come closer. Uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu spent the morning trying to keep people focused on Iran. You know that's been a real uh, priority for Israel and for the Prime Minister over the past decade. And uh, once again, he made it a priority this morning. Um, He spoke about it with the Cabinet, and he said that one month after the elections, uh, Iran is again moving forward with their nuclear capability, in addition to expanding and improving their uranium enrichment capabilities, They are also developing a plutonium reactor, so they will have two tracks to create material for a nuclear weapon. Uh, At the same time, uh, Netanyahu said Tehran is also expanding its ballistic missile capabilities. Quote, we believe that now more than ever it's important to stiffen the economic sanctions and present Iran with a credible military option. We are determined to stand firm by our demands on Iran, which must become the demands of the international community, Netanyahu said. First, ceased all enrichment, 
Second, remove from the country all enriched in uranium. And thirdly, close the illegal nuclear facility at Qom. Hmm. And uh, I don't know if the international community is even listening. At this point, I'll tell you the truth. There's so much going on, but he has made the statement. He's made it clear, and he reinforced it at the cabinet. Um, There is a real concern over the plutonium because I think that's new. Um, The international community, uh, including the P5 plus 1, which includes the U.S., Russia, China, Germany, France, and Britain, has indicated Iran needs to stop enriching uranium to 20%. That that creates military fuel that really could create uh, a nuclear weapon uh, and could keep some of the stockpiles of uranium enriched to a lesser degree inside the country. They're allowing Iran some of that. That might be a mistake because then they can enrich more of it later on. Hassan Rouhani, who is the new president, presents himself as a moderate, but Rouhan is problematic because even though he looks like a moderate, this is the man who was involved in approving the terrorist attack on the Jewish center in Argentina years ago. People are not aware of that. He's not really a moderate. He only looks a lot nicer and less crazy than Ahmadinejad. Hmm. So that's a problem. That's the uh, first bit of news. The second one, of course, is that uh, sources in the Middle East claim that the recent attack on the arms depot in the Syrian port city of Latakia on Friday was carried out by the Israeli Air Force. Uh, Syria said that's not true. And then sources said that it was actually carried out by an Israeli Dolphin-class submarine, which fired a cruise missile from the sea. That report came out in the Sunday Times. If the report is correct, uh, it marks Israel's first naval intervention in Syria. Syria again has denied it. Israel, as usual, is not commenting. We do not comment on attacks outside the country. And um, nobody else is talking. The sources that gave that report to the Sunday Times allegedly were American, Mm -hmm. from the American government. And uh, at least one uh, official in Israel who uh, asked for anonymity asked the question, why would the Americans raise the issue at all? What do they hope to gain by raising this question and mixing Israel into, uh, into this kind of a mess, especially when Syria and by default or by extrapolation Iran are willing to leave this quiet and leave it alone? Right. The the target was Russian missiles. The target was Russian missiles, 50 Russian-made Yakhont P-800 anti-ship missiles that were being delivered to Assad's armed forces. Hmm. That was the target, and they blew up. Why on earth would someone raise that issue? So that's, that's the question being asked in this part of the world. So that's the second story. The third one is uh, a question, uh, once again, about the talks between Israel and the Palestinian Authority. There is a uh, proposal on the table for whether or not to release terrorist prisoners, some in advance of talks, some during talks. And Naftali Bennett, who is the chairman of the Bayit Yehudi Party, the Religious Zionist Party, 
is saying that he will oppose any such plan. Mm -hmm. He says not one murderer can be let out. That's that's just a disgrace. Why should we have to give over murderers in order to be able to have the rather dubious privilege of being able to negotiate with Abbas? Mm -hmm. He also doesn't believe that Netanyahu would do it. So we'll see. We don't Interesting. know. We'll see. Um, the good news, <laughs> for your pleasure, is that <laughs> Israel on Friday successfully completed a test of a missile system that the Israeli army has termed a rocket propulsion system. No other details are being provided, but analysts say that the test was very likely related to Israel's Jericho ballistic missile system. The Jericho system comes in several varieties with various ranges and capabilities. Foreign news reports, because there's a blackout in the local system, foreign news reports say that the most modern version uh, the Jericho 3 has a range between 5,000 and 11,000 kilometers and can carry a warhead of up to one ton. Wow. That's um, which significant. Which means we can reach Iran. Right. <laughs> so the Iranians uh, have something to think about. Of course. Well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, ahead of uh, Tisha B'Av, and uh, the country, of course, is getting in the mood of Tisha B'Av. <laughs> Do most people in the country uh, commemorate Tisha B'Av one way or the other? Um, I will tell you that, yes, there um, there actually is. Um, there is a real palpable sense of of quiet on Tisha B'Av here. Mm -hmm. It's not Yom Kippur, um, and not everybody fasts. And you don't see uh, people, at least most people, out there partying. It's a good thing. <laughs> thank God. Well, I, I have seen some. Huh. I, I'm not going to say I haven't seen it because I have seen some in neighborhoods. But it's quiet, especially right. at night. At night, it gets quiet. It gets really, really quiet. Now, as you know, um, following Tisha B'Av, uh, I think it's on uh, Thursday, is the beginning of the uh, Maccabi games in Israel. Right. And uh, you're going to have uh, thousands upon thousands of uh, sports people coming from all over the world to begin those games. That's right. There's a real sense of relief once Tisha B'Av is over. I have to tell you, this, this country seems to be holding its breath almost until Tisha B'Av is over. It's not exactly on hold, and it's not exactly in suspension, but it holds back something, you know? It just seems to hold back something, and a spring is released about a day or so afterwards, and, and then, really, that's when summer truly begins. That's when everything really kicks in, you know? Everybody else, part of, part of the summer's already going, you know, people who are not observant, they have some concerts, they have this, they have that, but everybody else joins the party once Tisha B'Av is over with. Right. That's when all the camps really get going. That's when the parks are completely full. That's when you see people uh, in the water parks. You see every, everybody's out there. Then everything is swamped. Right. Everything is swamped. Well, we, uh, <laughs> we, we hope that... Uh those times uh, come soon, and uh, like I said to 
to a member of Knesset Lipman before, you know, if Mashiach doesn't come before tomorrow, we wish you and your family an easy and, as he said, a meaningful fast for everybody. Uh, and, uh, you know, to continue afterwards. And we'll uh, have you join us next week again to give us the news from Israel post Tisha B'Av and to see what good news there is coming out of Israel. I, I imagine that, you know, people who live in Israel, it's, let, let me backtrack. It's one thing for people who are outside of Israel to think uh, about this time of year, nine days in Tisha B'Av and what it means and what we lost uh, and sitting outside of Israel. And one might think that, well, if you're in Israel already, the feeling is, well, I'm here, we have a country, and look how much has been accomplished. Um, one would think that it might, as you say, temper a little bit the um, the feeling of Tisha B'Av. But when you're in Israel, I imagine, you have an even greater sense of what was lost, even being in Israel, because you see what's there, and you know what was there in the past. Uh, I'll tell you, it's it's magnified. When uh, not far from where I live, there are archaeological ruins of of the village of Iscariot, and upon the village of Iscariot are archaeological ruins of another village that was built on top of that one from the Byzantine era. On top of that are the ruins of another one that came after that from the Mamluks, and then on top of that the uh the islamic era those guys built caves there using the stones from the previous two eras and i wander those ruins sometimes and i take my kids there and my kids wander those ruins and i i cannot even begin to convey to you the sense of loss that we have every single time we wander around that area because there are pottery shards and even tiny bits of, of glass. And, and every time we go there, we pick up something new, and we see places that were homes, and, and uh, some, once we found, we found something that later I was told by uh, a historian was a bone box. It's a historical, uh, historical item. And you see for yourself history before your eyes and just how much was lost. The place is an entire town, hmm. a whole town, wiped out, gone. You can see it was destroyed. And to think that here in the, in the nine days, we still have fights among ourselves and we can't get it straight. We have I didn't mention it in headlines, but we had a situation where we had uh, Rabunim from the Shas party attacking uh, other Rabunim over the past week or two. We had a situation at the Cave of the Patriarchs, Me'arada Machpela, mm-hmm. where, the, where uh, Muslim worshippers tore off a couple of mezuzahs and, and basically vandalized the, the cave after uh, their worship on Friday. We look at all that and and we wonder, you know, Admatai, how much longer is this going to keep going? Right, absolutely. We wonder just how long. Well, hopefully, hopefully not for much longer. <laughs> 
God willing. Hopefully. Hannah Levy, Julian, thank you again for joining us uh, this morning with the news from Israel and uh, some of your thoughts ahead of um, uh, ahead of the uh, Tisha B'Av uh, commemoration of the Tisha B'Av holiday uh, coming up in, uh, in 24, 36 hours from now, depending on where you are around the world. And uh, again, have an, have an easy and ma- meaningful fast for you and your family, and we look forward to you joining us next week on uh, JM Sunday. Thanks much, and have an easy fast, everybody. Have Thank- a great week. Thank you. Connor Levy-Julian joins us every Sunday morning, live from Israel with the news of the week. We're going to um, a, uh, a story from Shlomo Kabak, a few stories before we end the show today. This one is uh, Yesala here on JM Sunday. Well, we are attempting to go to it. And, uh, okay, here we are. As I mentioned before, and I apologize, we are having a little bit of technical difficulty this morning. But here's Yasala from Shlomo Kabach. I received an invitation to represent the Jewish religion at an ecumenical meeting somewhere in the Midwest. It was so beautiful. The conference was supposed to last for one week. And every religion has one night to host all the other religions. And since the Jewish religion is maybe the oldest, they give us the honor of being the host the first night. The rabbi in that city happens to be a very wonderful rabbi. He organized a kosher meal for all the members of the conference. There was so much love in the air, so much sweetness, so much respect for each other. I noticed the bishop, Nikimus is the assistant bishop, and he told me my name is Joe. There was something so special about him, he was shining. I wanted to tell a Xidish story. But I decided to tell the story of Yasala, the holy miser. Since I heard it from my father, let me give it over to them. I told the story of Yasala, the holy miser. There were so many tears. were supposed to be the hosts but something went wrong with the kitchen and the church and they asked the rabbi to have another kosher meal but I was not the host so I was sitting in a corner Joe the assistant bishop came up to me and he says I want you to know the story told yesterday was so beautiful the bishop couldn't sleep all night and I I'll never be able to tell you how much it means to me. But please, the bishop invites you to tell the story one more time. I told the story again and again. The eyes were filled with tears. My heart was filled with steps. I was there for a whole week. 
The last night I gave a concert for the whole university. The second before I go on stage, Joe the bishop comes to me, and I saw he's beside himself. He's crying. He says, please don't think I'm crazy. But I must hear the story one more time. I promise after the concert, I will tell you my story. Join me, da da da. students at the concert and let me show everyone with a few inches closer to heaven they told the story of Yosela the holy miser and again there was an ocean of tears I'll never forget it as long as they live after the concert Joe the assistant bishop and myself we went for a long walk for a long time in silence suddenly Joe the bishop stopped and he says I'm sorry to tell you I was lying to you my name is not Joe my name is Yosele from Krakow I want you to know mother was found half dead in Dachau, an American soldier took a liking to her, took her wisdom to America, they cured her, then he married her under the condition that she'll never tell the children that she is Jewish. My father's a very devout Catholic, so you see. Assistant Bishop. A few weeks ago, my mother called me and she says, The doctor gave me three more days to live. I'm very sick. Please come immediately. I cannot leave this world until I tell you my story. Came to her bedside. And this is what she said. Forgive me. I was lying to you. Your name is not Joe. Your name is Yoselet from Krakow. I named you after my holy father. Because you're a chassid. 
holy of holies. One of the richest Jews in Krakow. His house was like the house of Abraham. Poor people ate there, they lived there. They gave everything away. We are descendants of Yasalah, the holy miser. And my father was named after Yasalah. Yasalah from Krakow. For three days, my mother told me everything what she knew, and even what she didn't know. She told me how holy it is to be a Jew. She told me Shabbos and Yontem, Yom Kippur and Mustara. She told me all about my Seder, about my grandfather, about my grandmother. She told me everything there is and everything there isn't. After three days she left the world. She held my hand and she said, Joe, don't forget, you're not Joe. Yeah, you're from Krakow. Yeah, you're from Krakow. He says to me, I was so torn apart. Didn't know what to do with myself anymore. On one hand, I'm Joe the Bishop, but I'm also Yosselov in Krakow. Here I am, a devout Catholic. This is my career. I put my whole life into it. But yet, I'm not a Catholic. I'm a Jew. I didn't know what to do with myself. Two weeks ago, I was up all night begging before God, before the only one. And this is what I said. Master of the world, give me a sign what you want me to be. And I said, if someone comes to me and just says the words, Yosemite from Krakow, that will be my sign. That you want me to be a Jew. Can you imagine? He says, here I'm coming to this ecumenical meeting. And the first thing I hear is Yosemite from Krakow. He says, I swear to you, I saw my holy mother standing behind you. I could see her tears flowing over your forehead. And when you said the story, Yosalev and Krakow, I knew. My mother reminding me that I'm not Joe anymore. He put his hand in his pocket, he pulled out a ticket. It says New York to Lviv. He says, tomorrow morning at dawn I'm leaving. I'm not taking anything with me. I'm flying to New York, New York to Lviv. You will not hear from me for a long time because I know my father will call the international police to look for me. I don't, I don't ever want my father to know that my mother told me that she's Jewish because he really did save her life. But one thing I promise you, the one, the only one, will give me the privilege to marry in Yerushalayim, the holy city, 
the night before the wedding, I will go to the holy wall. And I will write you a letter. Whenever I came to Shlaim, I'm looking for Joe the bishop, but how could I recognize him? I'm sure by now he has a beard and pears, and he doesn't have a big cross hanging down his neck anymore. I couldn't find him. 1979. So many years later, one day I'm going to my office and I'm holding a letter in my hands. On one side it says my name, on the other side it says, Yossele from Krakow. Now Yerushalayim, the holy city. I'll be shaking until Mashiach is coming, just remembering when I opened the letter. This is what it says to my friend and brother Shlomo. Thank you for all eternity to remind me that I'm not Joe, that I'm Yasser from Krakow. I want you to know I look like Mercedes, I learn Torah like Mercedes. And a beard like my Zayde Have to sit like my Zayde I love Shabbos like my Zayde Tomorrow night I'll marry a girl who in my dreams Looks like my Bobber So holy and so beautiful A heart of gold And here by the holy wall It's four o'clock in the morning writing to you to thank you. Let me bless you to remind all the Joes you're not Joe. You're yourself from Krakow. This is I, yourself from Krakow. with Yesala from uh, many years ago. Fantastic story, as could only be told by the one and only Shlomo Kalbach. We're going to finish up today with uh, two more stories. One is uh, Moshele the Ganov, and the other one is uh, Schwarzer Wolf. We're going to get to that in just a couple of seconds. My thanks again to uh, Karna Levi Julian for joining us with the news from Israel, and to member of Knesset uh, Rabbi Dov Lipman, for joining us earlier in the show and talking about uh, what is going on in Israel now, his efforts and uh, the work that he is doing in Israel. We thank them uh, both for joining us on this Erev, Erev Tish above here on JM Sunday. Matas Wine guest with you, 8.31 in the morning. Programming continues all day on the stream, JM and the AM.org, NachumSiegel.com. If you go to NachumSiegel.com, you can see all the ways of listening and Recommend to your friends to listen many different ways on the iPhone, on the telephone, on uh, 
all the smartphones, many different ways you could find all the information over there. It's the 14th day in the month of July, the 7th day in the month of Av, 5773, with Tisha B'Av, as I mentioned, beginning tomorrow night. Nachum will be back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., bright and early, on the stream and on the radio on JM and the AM. So we're going to go now to Moshe Lilaganov 2, here on JM Sunday with Shlomo Kalbach. So here we are back. Yon and me and Simchan B'Tzalem. I want to tell you some good stories. You know what it is? Everybody needs one time in his life to be touched. When you see people who are a little bit maybe not so good, you know what the problem is? Nothing has touched their heart yet. But just wait, wait, wait. So this is Moshe Leganev. Meshbosh by the Holy Bar Shemtev. Yet the holiest, loftiest, most glorious students. But also one of them. One of his followers, his chassid, was Moshe Leganev. A simple thief. His profession was stealing. But after he became a follower of the Holy Bar Shem, he changed his whole ways. He didn't steal from the poor anymore, only from the rich. But whenever he was just nearly caught, the police was on his tail, he would run into the Holy Bar Shem Tov. He would run to the synagogue and look for his holy master. And he would say, Helikirav, the police is looking for me. Please, make them forget. And the Holy Bar put his holy hands Moshe Leganov's head and he would walk out happy and the police would never look for him again time goes by and Moshe Leganov lives the happy life of a thief whenever he is nearly caught he runs to the Holy Bachem the Bachem that blesses him and he's not even careful anymore when it comes to stealing because he knows the Bachem always will get me out so now everybody knows that the Holy Bachem that passed away on Shores you know what Moshe's dream was? Because even between you and me, how rich are the rich people in Mezhebush, right? I know how poor the poor are, they have nothing. But the rich, how much can you steal? Ten rubles, five rubles? So Moshe had an unbelievable dream. One time in his life, he really wants to steal something solid. Some big stuff. So a few days before Shurz, Moshe was told the most unbelievable news. The relative of the Tsar is carrying with some 30,000 rubles from a certain city to St. Petersburg. And 30,000 rubles in those days was a fortune. Okay, Moshe organized everything. He knew exactly the day is coming. He knew already the, exactly the room he would stay at night. He got himself ladders. He organized all the thieves should be there. Somehow he climbed so the window got the 30,000 rubles and when they got down they were so happy all the thieves were dancing they were not afraid the police because of a Shem fool okay it didn't take long the whole city knew Moshe Leganov stole 30,000 rubles and the relative of the Tsar he really he says this time I'm, I'm not going to let it pass I want the thief to give me back the 30,000 rubles 
Moshe was not afraid. It was two days after Shavuos. He walks into the smithers and says, Anita Bachendov badly, the police is on my tail. He looked at their faces. They were also said, what happened? Don't you know? Don't you know? The Holy One Shemtov is not in this world anymore. There's a darkness in the world. Ah, Gewalt, did he feel it? It was so clear to him, Gewalt. What a friend I had. What a rabbi, because Moshe knew you're not permitted to steal, and yet the Holy One Shemtov had so much patience with him. He says, isn't there anybody else like the Shem? Didn't he leave any successor? And one of his holy students, who was very holy, but maybe in relationship to people, he was too strict. Someone says to him, yes, here in the corner, the Heilige told us, Yaakov Yosef, but everybody knows he was very strict. He runs up to him and he says, Holy Master, please, I want you to know I'm a follower of the Holy Balshem. And whenever I steal the Balshem to blesses me, the police shouldn't find me. I should forget about it. I stole 30,000 gold. Please bless me fast. He says, what? Are you crazy or something? I should bless somebody who steals. Get out of here fast before I throw you out with my own hands. You know, he was holy. But he was not the Vashemtov. He had nowhere to go. He was afraid. He went to the cemetery, found the new grave of the Holy Vashem, and he threw himself on the grave. And he began crying and he said, Heilige Vashemtov, Holy Master, do you know that everybody wants to be a rabbi master of good people? Everybody wants to be a teacher of holy people. But you, you were so godlike, you were so holy. You were also the member of thieves. But I'm asking you, how could you leave this world? How could you forget about us? The Bachem says, Marshall, I want you to know your prayer shook heaven because it's so true. says don't ever think that in the last moment in my life I thought of you and I appointed my holy grandson the Heilige Befraim of Sadlikov he should be the rabbi of all the thieves of the world but no Moshe I tell you 
Sajibush to Sadika was just a few kilometers. Says when you wake up, run fast to my grandson. And you know what you do. But Shemda says here, Moshe, listen to me. Every Friday night, I teach my grandson the way they're learning the portion of the week in paradise. Just him and I know that. Let me teach you the way they're learning the portion of the week in paradise. And he will know that only I could have sent you. Moshe woke up. He ran to Rebbe Freim and he says, Rebbe, I have to talk to you private. They went to a room and he began reciting the Torah from paradise. Rebbe Freim blessed him. The police forgot that Moshe stole it. But this is not the end of the story. You know, after Moshe heard the Torah from paradise, He became so holy and so exalted that the Heilige Befreim appointed him to be his successor. And you know, friends, we don't know his name because Chassidim didn't want to tell that this big rabbi began his career as one of the thieves of the Heilige Balshemto. show Schwarzer Wolf here on JM Sunday. So much for this friends, everyone in the world. Heard of the Kajnitsa Magi, the holy, the exalted, the deep, the tremendous. May his memory be a blessing for all of Israel. One day, one day, the rabbi of a city, maybe Chamstokov came to him, and he said, Holy Rabbi, I'm married for 18 years. God has not blessed us yet with children. Please, Holy Rabbi, Holy Master, pray for us. Bless us as children. The Kodesh Samagi closed his holy eyes. He said to him, my dear friend, I'm sorry. All the gates of heaven are closed. 
Kodesh Samagit said to him, My dear Rabbi, do you know by any chance in your city there is a Yiddale by the name Schwarzerwolf? Schwarzerwolf, the most obnoxious Jew in the whole city, disgusting, vulgar. Nobody wants to talk to him. When he walks into shul, everybody moves away. Yes, I had said. He is the head of the 36th of the In his hands is heaven and earth. If you can get invited by him for one Shabbat. And he can bless you, he is the only one, he is the only one For whom all the gates of heaven are open You know friends what it means to go to Lamed Vov Tzaddik, the Holy of Holies, the deepest of the deep So the Rabbi of Chensrov came home, he prepared himself He recited the Psalms and Mamash repented and he promised God everything in the world the Schwarze Wolf lives in the forest. He's a woodchopper. So he thought the only way of being really making sure I'm invited for Shabbos, I knock on his door two minutes before Shabbos. I'll tell him I got lost in the forest and he has to invite me. Two minutes before Shabbos, the Yidel of this rabbi knocks on the door of the Schwarze Wolf. And here, my dear friends, I want you to concentrate in the deepest way. You know, the Lamed of Tzaddikim is so holy and so real. They are absolutely your mirror. If you look at them and they look obnoxious, because you're obnoxious. If you look at them and you think they're ugly, Gewalt, are you ugly? If you look at them and you see how holy they are, because you are so holy. So, the rabbi of Chancellor knocks on the door of the Schwarze Wolf, and the most ugly woman in the world, obnoxious really, with the most vulgar language, the most disgusting curses, opens the door and curses him out before she even talks to him. And he says, Please invite me for Shabbos. I'm lost in the forest, I can't make it back to the city anymore. And let me not tell you what she said. He says, please, please, please. And she tries to slam the door in his face. He's very fast. He puts his foot in the door. He has a look in the house and those children. Really, he has never seen such obnoxious looking children. And usually children look beautiful, but they're terrible but you know what he knows it's him Gewalt is he far away 
She says to him, listen my dear friend, if my husband comes home and he finds you here, you'll never see daylight again. He will kill you with his own hands. The only thing I can suggest to you, if you want to stay in the stable, we have a horse there. Just do your thing and don't dare opening the door to our house. For all cases, he had two candles with him and a little challah and fish. And you know, sweetest friends, obviously the Lamed of Tzadikim don't go to shul. I hate to say bad things, but some of the shuls I really know. I can understand why the Lamed of Tzadikim don't daven there. But the Lamed of Tzadikim have their own minion. Late, late at night, the Schwarze Wolf came home and he could hear the heavy steps. He could hear him talking to his wife. The door opens. And if the Schwarze Wolf ever looked gruesome... It was that night. It was frightening. He walks up to him and he says to him, Listen, my dear brother, if you dare opening the door to my house, I'm killing you with my own hands. And one second after Shabbos, I want you to disappear from my stable. Slams the door. To make it very short, sweetest friends, open your hearts again. Couldn't sleep Friday night. Can you imagine Schwarzenbuch is next door? All he needs is one blessing. And he can't go in. Shabbos morning early, he heard the Schwarzenbuch going back to Darwin in the forest. Late afternoon, he came back. He's trying to do tshuva, he's thinking, Rabbi Shem, I promise you, but there comes a point he doesn't have anything to say to God anymore. And it's getting later and later. Suddenly he looks out of the window of the stable. There are sweet stars on the sky. Shabbos is over. And he knows my life is over. It looks to me, God forbid, I'll never have children. But suddenly, he remembered there was one more, one more who can open all the gates. There is somebody, somebody. Somewhere, somewhere, so close and so far, can't do anything. He fell to the ground. And for the first time in his life, he murmured, pray to God, please, let me have children. At that moment, at that moment, he felt the softest hand on your head, on his head. He looked up, it was a schwarze shining like the high priest on Yom Kippur. And he said to him, my dearest, sweetest friend, 
Come in and join me for Shola Shooters For the third me here And whatever the rabbi of Chanstuch have thought The holy base of Mikdash would look like Believe me, the house of the Schwarze Wolf Was even more holy And the wife of the Schwarze Wolf Who looked so ugly yesterday She was so exquisitely beautiful And the children goes without saying They were all little high priests And the Schwarze Wolf says I know what you came for And I bless you to have a son I have only one request Please call him Schwarze Wolf after me And you know his first reaction was But you're alive, how can I call my son after you when you're alive? But the awe was, was no time to ask After Havdoli he left Went home to his wife and he told her I got the blessing from the Schwarze Wolf The next morning he goes to shul After the davening is over He sees there's a commotion in the synagogue The shamas walks around Everyone asking everyone for favors And nobody wants to do it He calls the shamas and says What's going on here? He says oh somebody died And just nobody wants to go to the funeral well, He says who died? The holy of holiest The deepest of the deep The most precious of all precious The shaman says nobody wants to go to the funeral Gewalt He ran up to the beam and he yelled from the deepest depths of his being, Yidin. Do you know who he was? Do you know that he was the head of the Lama of Siddiquim? That he was Mamish, the holiest person of our generation? We never said Kachabas to him? We never gave him an Aliyah? We laughed at him? Listen to me, friends. This was 180 years ago. A long time after. Many tears after. A lot of Jewish blood after. 1944. The Holy Rebbe of Bell. Came to this holy land And the first Shabbos in Tel Aviv Everybody knows in bells People put bottles of wine and be on the table Everybody gets a glass of wine You walk up to the rabbi, tell him your name And your father's name or your mother's name And the rabbi blesses you There was an old Yidale, very old Yidale And two people were holding him He made his way to the Belzer Rebbe. And the Belzer Rebbe says to him, My precious brother, 
What is your name? And he says, My name is Schwarze Wolf, Ben Chanan. The Belt Rebbe says to him, Are you the grandson of the first Schwarze Wolf who was called after the Lamed Wolf Tzadik? And he says, Rebbe, you know the story? And the Belt Rebbe says, Yes, Heiliger Schwarze Wolf. I know the story, but nobody ever will remember unless you do me a favor. And he said to the Eden, please lift up this old Yidale. He was maybe a hundred years old. Lift him up and sit him on the table. Let him tell all the Eden who are here. So in order that the story should be remembered. You know, my most darling friends, I had the privilege of hearing the story from a person who was the first Friday night in Bells. This is not the end yet. Five years ago, five years ago, I had the privilege of giving a concert in Old Sham in Tel Aviv. And out of nowhere, I remember the story of the Schwarze Wolf and I told the story to the people. Suddenly in the last row, in the last row, somebody begins to wave his hand. And he says to the people, I want you to know, I want you to know. There's a little boy in my class in Bnei Brak. His name is Schwarze And he is named after his Elter, Elter Zede, the Schwarze Wolf, who told the story to the Belzerebbe. Good Shabbos, good Yomte, good Yomte, good Shabbos. I'm begging you, please promise me, keep on telling the story. Keep on remembering the Schwarze Wolf. You know, sweetest friends in Jerusalem, do you know how many Schwarze Wolves are walking around on the street? And I always know inside of me, when you walk in Jerusalem, you must see some real obnoxious people. You never know. Never know. Shlomo Gabak with Schwarze Wolf here on JM Sunday. Thank you, everyone, for joining me this morning on this uh, nine days program pre, uh, pre-Tishabov, which begins tomorrow night and continues till Tuesday night. Programming all day long here on JM in the AM.org. Nachum will be back tomorrow morning, bright and early, 6 a.m. on the dial and on the stream and the JM in the AM will be celebrating a milestone show, actually, on Tisha B'Av. Nachum uh, will probably mention that in the next day or so. But there will be a show on Tisha B'Av, special programming with Kinnis, <coughs> excuse me, with Kinnis on Tisha B'Av morning. So make sure to keep it tuned to JM in the AM and the stream all day long. And, uh, 
We wish all of you an easy and a meaningful fast, and we look forward to having you join us again next Sunday morning here on JM Sunday.